on, living word, amen. All right, it's good to be among the living, hallelujah. And, uh, you may be seated, the Lord bless you. I put on this big old Pendleton because uh, Edgy likes it cold. And uh, I go through a lot of changes when it gets cold, especially as you get younger. Only some people relate with me. my Bible Bible so I can't miss the scriptures, and I guess it's going to get bigger as I go. All right. I feel that God spoke to me this morning, and uh, I feel good in the house of God, especially on Sunday morning. Turn with you, with, turn your Bibles over to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to go there for a little while. It's good to see Sonia and the kids, you know. Ministry is not easy. Everybody looks at the glamour, but nobody looks at the pain. And the pain sometimes is worse than anything else we could go through. Hallelujah. But it's all good. We like it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here this morning. I just want to say we love you. And Lord, we thank you that you put up with all of us and that you've been a gracious, gracious God to us. And your grace is amazing, amazing, amazing. Even when we run, you run right after us. Even when you try, we try to hide, you're right there with us. So there's nowhere really we could go. And we thank you for that grace, that wonderful, wonderful grace that doesn't leave us alone. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen and amen. amen. Woo. So <clears throat> I want to deal with hmm, frail people because that's who we are. We're frail. We're, um, anything moves us emotionally. We kind of go through a lot of changes. And sometimes we think just because we're weak that God can't use us. And I want to say to all of you, I don't care what you go through, you're you'll come out of your weakness. The only way I can describe that is that there's a God inside of you and outside of you, and he's got a, a hammer, and he's going to hammer you from within to make you look beautiful on the outside. Because it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside that we need. We need a lot of work on the inside because you can't see what's inside. Only he can see what's inside. And when he gets that hammer and that chisel and begins to work on us, all of a sudden we wake up that it's not us, but it's him working through us and doing his perfect work inside of us. So it takes time. Tell your neighbor, it takes time, neighbor. So... You gotta be, we got to be patient with each other. How many have ever been around somebody that irritates you all the time? And, uh, you know, that, that, that guy or that girl that irritates you, it's probably one of God's tools to expose who you really are. Ah, I said to my wife, well, that's too late. You married him. you got to stay there. So God can use you in spite of your weaknesses. 
God can use you in spite of your weaknesses. When I started reading the Bible, as I read and read and read and read, I started finding out that God picked up, picks up people that probably I would never pick, but he picked up people that were at high levels and low levels, and yet he started dealing with every one of them. But even though they had all they had, and some of them had less than they had, and yet God still, his favor still came on them and started building them up. Because it doesn't matter where you are in society, he knows exactly what you need. And he's after you. You ain't going to run. You can try to run. There was an old cartoon for those oldies, and there was this little dog that went everywhere. And he was called, his favorite words were, hello there. And that dog would appear with that man wherever he went, across the world, and that little dog was there, hello there. And I said, man, that's like the Holy Ghost. He'll always tell you, hello there. Here I am again, and I'm going to deal with you. So when you start reading that, God uses people that are frail, people that are very low in their living, in their actual living, morally, and yet God deals with us. Some of you are sitting down right here and you're wondering, man, when, did God, when is God going to do something in my life? You already started. The only thing is that we are kind of weird people. We, we go by sight and we become very blind of what God's doing inside of us because we're always sight. Oh, but we know the chisme. We know all the gossip, but we don't pay attention to what's going on inside of us. How many here have ever been a gossiper? You better say the truth because I don't want this place to fall down, amen, and ruin this beautiful sermon. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many are wise after the flesh and not many are mighty and not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Heavenly Father, thank you. I pray that you will move upon your people and stir us up in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. So when I read about all the people in the Bibles, like Isaiah, Isaiah was a, a person that God chose, but yet he was weak also. He was weak and he had to find out how strong God really was. When you think about little David, David was out there in the field, got anointed if he did great things, but then he became a king and then he, be, he failed God. And yet God still used them all the way to the end. So we're frail people. And Peter, come on now, what's that? I hope that's not me. All right. I hope it's not Stella. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you a story. God tells, I, was, I was listening to the iPod, you know, the little round thing, whatever they call it. 
And I was listening to worship, and I said these things in my brain. I wonder if she loves me, Stella. I said that. And do you know that thing switched on me and it started playing the Beatles, Beatles and said, uh, yes, yeah, she loves you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it freaked me out, brother. I had to leave. <laughs> the supernatural world is... <laughs> So Peter, you look at Peter when he picked him up. Peter was nothing. Peter was absolutely nothing but just a regular fisherman. And God said, I'm going to start molding you and shaping you, Peter, until I get you to the place where you're going to preach my word. But I'm going to clean you just like you cleaned your fish. I'm going to clean you up. When you think about Abraham, Father Abraham, that God called him out of Ur, and the Bible says that he obeyed God. And yet he failed right in front of God, telling his wife to lie before one of the kings there. Tell him, and she said, tell him that you're my brother. You're my sister. And they were married. But he made, him, made her lie just to save his own bacon. So, you know, if there's any liars in the house, there's still, there's still hope for you. Amen. <laughs> when you think about Jacob, I think Jacob relates to all of us because he was a conniver. And yet God still used him. At the end, when you think about Solomon, Solomon was the worst sinner around, and yet God still used this man, Solomon. So a lot of times we don't, we don't think that God is at work, but God is at work even in our own failures, even in our own weaknesses. When you think about Jonah, Jonah was the worst one. He was prejudiced. He didn't want to go preach to Nineveh. He took a boat to Joppa, and he started going out there, and the storm arose, and the people got nervous. What are you going to do? And then all, all of a sudden, he says, he stands up, he says, the reason why this storm is upon this boat is because I'm disobeying God. He knew already that God was after him, and he thought he was going to get away and die. And the Bible says he went down into the ocean, he says, throw me over, and it threw him over, and a big old fish was prepared. You can't escape the presence of God. And the Bible says that that big old fish swallowed him up. And when he swallowed him up, he was there wrapped up with all kinds of seaweed. He, he was feeling the, uh, all the junk that that fish had eaten. He called it hell. If you look at chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, Jonah he called it hell. He called it hell. He said, I'm in hell because of my disobedience. Let me tell you something. When you run away from God, you think it's going to get better. It gets worse. It's like hell because you're running from God himself. And he says, I heard the voice and I cried out of hell. He says, I cried out of hell from the depths of the ocean. I cried out of hell and the Lord heard me and his word came a second time. And the Bible says that God spit that big old fish. When he cried out to God, that fish obeyed the voice of God and said, spit him out. And guess where he landed at living word? <laughs> Welcome home. Welcome home. Hallelujah. You see, we see men just like that. Look at Locke even gave his daughters over to, 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 to people that were perverted. You know? And Right there, he disobeyed God, and yet God still had mercy and brought him out. So I want you to know that his grace, his mercy, extends much further than what you think. The minute you think that his mercy is not there and he's not there, he's at work in your life. And he will get a brand new person out of you. 
because he knows exactly what he's doing. How many here have been running away from God sometimes and you find yourself, what on earth am I doing? And you look like E.T. because your head is so fat. So you think that God, if God can use these men, God can use you and I. So you got to think, God chose me, so now he's working in me, but he's destroying all the idols from within me. All of the way that I, I was thinking in the past, those are idols. Guys or girls that you had up here, those are idols. Things that you possess, those are idols. And God said, you don't need those things. And sometimes those things break down. How many of you have ever had your car break down? And then you want to kick it and God said, no, just praise me. And some of you do kick and cuss and everything and God just looks at you and says, Angel, Michael, ¿sabes qué? They're too crazy, man. They think they're going to get away with it. And that's when God starts building you, building you. How many here have ever now hit yourself and you said, praise God, how I hit myself with a hammer? Before you wouldn't do that, you would start cussing up a storm. What happened? God built you from within you. Got a hold of your tongue. Got a hold of your mouth. And sustained you so that you wouldn't cuss no more. Oh, it's going to get fun in here right now. See, God has called us. Say it with me, God has called me. So if God's called you, then he's going to make you. You're not going to get away. The minute you said, Jesus, come into my heart, that means that God called you. You weren't looking for him. He was looking for you. He was after you all this time. He was after you, and he brought you, and he called you. And the reason why he called you is because he wants to make you so that he can use you. you see, and you, you, you have to be that type of person that allows yourself to be changed by the power of God. When you allow that, then God can do something beautiful because God will start changing your evil heart. Because that's where the problem is. It's your heart. Your heart is the issues of life. Your heart speaks louder than your brain. When, did you, when you fell in love, did you fall in love with your head? No, you fell in love with your heart. Huh? When I first saw Stella, I said, He who la shata masita morata. Oh, and I didn't speak in tongues, I'm sorry. I said something else. She's hot. She's beautiful, you know. She's beautiful. When I looked at her, I said, Wow, man. But when she made me my first sandwich, I was so hungry because I was taking too much marijuana. And, and, and I remember that big old sandwich, bro. It was, a, it was like bright. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? It was bright. And she says, okay, here's your sandwich. And she, man, I took a bite out of that sandwich. I, I ate it all. And then I looked at her. I said, not only do you look good, but you sure make some good sandwiches. <laughs> so what, what did I fall in love with? I fell in love with my heart. Because my heart went with her. And the other day I was doing something, I don't know why. It says, you had a perfect marriage. The Holy Ghost said that. You, have a, you had a perfect marriage made in heaven. I said, wow. That was just a, a, a thing that I heard in the past that I didn't even pay attention, but it was a marriage made in heaven. But it's because God started doing something with us.
something with this, but dealing with the heart, the issues of the heart. God starts working from within you with the issues that you have. The issues that you have. And to prove it, he'll bring the worst people around you, the ones you don't like, they sit next to you. <laughs> Not by accident. You thought it was an accident. The ushers don't even know. They just sit next to you. And then you look at them and say, man, why are they sitting here? And you move or whatever you do, but still God is moving things to get the issues out of your heart. Get the issues out of your heart because your heart is so full of yourself, of yourself. And when you're full of yourself, then you can't function and do the things of God. you got to be full of God because when you're full of God, then you can be led by God and you can walk for God. But you've got to be full of God inside of your heart because inside of your heart is where all the problems are. How many here have ever said, I'm going to serve God with all my heart? Then you walk outside, and there you go again. <laughs> that happens. Why? Because God's still at work in your heart. You haven't let go. And then pretty soon he starts dealing with you harshly, harshly, to the point where you even start hearing the voice of God through others. And through circumstances, then the, the big old voice of God from within you starts saying, listen, tonto. Come on, listen to me. I'm trying to do something in your life. And then pretty soon you feel the grace of God fall on your life. And you start crying. You start weeping. You start repenting. Why? Because now he is in charge of your heart. Those are the little things. Then he starts dealing with the big things. The reason why he wants to do that is because he knows that you're the treasure the treasure that he has, he placed it in your heart. And if he can use that treasure in your heart to spend yourself as a human person, to spend yourself and to give yourself to others and to work with others and to love others and to go out of your way and to love your enemies and to start destroying every single thing that you used to be, then you realize, man, I am a brand new person in Christ Jesus because it's destroying everything. So I say be patient with yourself. Because as God starts dealing with you, you have to be patient with yourself so that God can start doing a brand new thing. A brand new thing because he's not done with you. He is not done with you. He has just started with you. And the more that I emphasize that, you have to come to grips with yourself that you don't belong to yourself because he called you. Now he's going to turn you upside down. And una sacudida. He's going to shake you and make sure that everything is out of you. Take the change out. Take your wallet out. Take everything and say, okay, I'm going to turn your right side up now so that you can start walking different, talking different, doing things with your money that you've never done in your entire life just for the kingdom. Tell your neighbor, God's talking to you, neighbor. See, he knows the evil heart that's there. God wants to accomplish his will with weak individuals. Weak individuals. I don't see nobody here that is not weak. Because we're all made out of the same flesh. But God uses weak things. So God knows that the treasure is in earthly vessels. In vessels. You're a vessel. You're a vessel. Look at this Coke. This Coke is delicious. 
I'm not going to take a drink right now, but I will. <laughs> but what's inside of this Coke? Oh, my God. That first drink always gets you. <laughs> that fizzling. So, you're a vessel. You're not a Coca-Cola. You're a treasure of God. God's treasure is inside of that bottle. You're the bottle. You're the bottle. Yeah, you're the bottle. So God always tries to encourage you all the time. And if you pay attention, everything that God wants to do, he comes and he tells you what he wants you to do. Or he impresses you. Real strong impressions. Like, that brother needs money, that sister needs money, and you got it, and God says, give it to them. That's an impression. That's when you change. You're no longer a tight what. Now you give it without wanting it back. So you're taking, you're not only meeting a need, but you're taking a burden off of a person. Just like God met your need and took the burden away from you. It's exactly what you're reproducing in your life. So you're the treasure. Say it with me, I'm the treasure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Not of ourselves. That, uh, that's a powerful scripture there, not of ourselves. Because once we understand that we are a treasure, then we could act like a treasure. Hmm? How many here have done a deed that you would have never done if you weren't born again? Lift up your hand. Let me see your head. Yeah. You've done a deed that you would have never done in your entire life. Now, I know when you get really saved, you start paying your tithe, your offerings, and giving everything to, that you have towards God, and yet without being a burden to your own house. You start giving, especially, you know, money. Money is a good thing, but when you love it, it becomes the root of evil. When you love it too much. But when you give it, God gives it right back pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and you start getting filled up again, over and over again, filling up. But you're the treasure. Say it with me. I'm the treasure. I'm the treasure. Say it again. I'm the treasure. I'm the treasure. When you become that treasure, you start feeling that you can do anything that the Lord tells you to do because now you're not a receiver. You're a giver. Before you were broke, you couldn't give nothing. But now that God is dealing with you, you're, now you're a receiver that can give it out. No longer are you thinking, should I or shouldn't I? You just do it. Amen. The same way with salvation, preaching to others and talking to others about Jesus, you are a person talking on his behalf. You're an ambassador of him, and you're the treasurer. You hold the kingdom inside of your heart, and you start bringing people to the Lord because you love people, because something supernatural has taken place in your life. 
I was sitting here in, in the discipleship, and I started seeing John's sons, Lucia's sons. I started seeing all these guys that I've seen. When I saw their mom and dad when they first got saved, now I'm seeking a, a second generation, a third generation. I'm going, my God, the treasures of God. When you decide you're going to follow God with all of your heart, you start seeing the results. Your results. If you have little babies, look at them and say, man, you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be something for God. You're a treasure. You're a treasure. You're a beautiful thing. How many know kids are beautiful? They are, they're beautiful. And when they grow up, they're, they're brats. And, and then when they grow up to be teenagers, they're crazier. And yet you, oh, my little treasure. You got to keep calling them treasure because sometimes you feel like, you're my treasure. I want to just choke you. Choke the treasure out of you. <laughs> I know I've had six of them. And they all put me through something. And I had to learn, learn how to be a father that is full of the treasure of God and have mercy like he had mercy on me. And that's the hardest thing because when your kids violate something, you just want to kill them. I, I hate to say that word, or maybe choke them. Or maybe just hang them upside down. Or maybe just take everything away from them. Are you getting the picture? But they're still treasures. Let me say it again. They're still treasures. Why? Because they're yours. When you were born again, you're not yours no more. You belong to your father the same way with your kids. They belong to you. You're the father. Whether you're there or not, you're still the father. And you still have an obligation. I didn't see my father for a long time. He was in the Navy. And when I saw him, he was a drunk, man. Matter of fact, he took me for my 18-year-old birthday to get me drunk. Both of us walked out drunk. His wife came to pick him up and Stella came with her. We were both drunk. I mean, we were drunker, and I never drank so much in my entire life. He was a sailor. He was used to it. I was brand new. <laughs> then he wakes up the next morning. He says, how'd you like it, son? How'd you like it? I hated every bit of it. <laughs> Why did I say that? Because he still loved me. He's my father. 